I want to start off by telling you a story that I heard. I heard a story about a woman who accompanied her husband to the doctor. And after the, do after the husband's checkup, the doctor asked the wife if he could speak with her in his office. Well, the, the, the wife replied, certainly, I would do anything for my husband. So the doctor told her, your husband is suffering from a very rare and severe disorder because of all the stress in his life. And if you don't follow my instructions, then he's going to die. But the doctor told her, but if every morning, if you bring him breakfast in bed and you're always pleasant and make sure that he's never upset and if you let him do anything he wants and you don't burden him with any jobs or chores, he, don't discuss your problems with him because it will only make his stress worse. So the doctor said, if you'll do all that, he told the wife, your husband can live an extra 15 or 20 years. Well, on the drive home, the husband asked the wife, well, what did the doctor have to say to you? The wife answered, he said you're going to die. Thank you, thank you. I think that's a true story, but check it out with Pastor George afterward. Okay, now for the serious part of the message. Um, I'm going to start off with a review, and I'm going back to Pastor George's series from earlier this year when he went through the history of God's people, going through the Old Testament. And I'm going to go back to the time when there were two kingdoms, when Israel was split into two kingdoms. There was the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And because of years of idolatry and wickedness and violence and their unwillingness to listen to the calling of the prophets to return to God, God brought judgment on both kingdoms of Israel. The northern kingdom was invaded by the Assyrians, and the ten tribes who lived there were dispersed throughout the world, and even today we're still looking for them. They're known as the ten lost tribes of Israel. But the southern kingdom, which I want to focus on, was overrun by the Babylonian army, which the, Babyl the Babylonians is considered modern-day Iraq. The city was destroyed. The city of Jerusalem was ruined. The people were taken from their homes and brought to the wicked, idolatrous nation of Babylon, where they lived in exile from their homeland because of the mess they made, because of their sin and rebellion. They lost everything and were taken to a foreign land where they were oppressed and in hardship. 
Well, Jeremiah the prophet had prophesied to Israel that all these things would happen, that you would be taken into Babylon for 70 years, but after the period of 70 years, God would show mercy on Israel and bring the Israelites back to Jerusalem, back to their homeland. So after those 70 years were up, a remnant of Israel... They began to return back to Jerusalem. They came back to the place of defeat. They came back to their old homeland, but they found it in ruin. All their homes, the, the temple where they worshiped God was totally destroyed. It was all turned into a pile of ashes. And the temple, which was so magnificent that Solomon had built, where the, the place where God put his spirit, the place of worship and meeting with God, was totally burned to the ground. All the silver and the gold and the beauty of the temple was gone. So these Israelites who came back to Jerusalem in the middle of all the devastation, God told them it's time to rebuild. It's time for a new beginning. And after delay and opposition and laziness and having wrong priorities, finally they began to lay the foundation of the new temple. They were going to build a new house of worship. So I'm going to pick up the action in Ezra chapter 3, verse 10. Ezra tells the story of the rebuilding of the temple. It says, when the builders completed the foundation of the Lord's temple, the priests put on their robes, and took up their places to blow the trumpets. And the Levites, descendants of Asaph, clashed their cymbals to praise the Lord, just as King David had prescribed. With praise and thanks, they sang this song to the Lord. He is so good. His faithful love for Israel endures forever. They praised and worshiped God at this new beginning that they were laying a new foundation and they glorified God and worshipped him. It says, Then all the people gave a great shout, praising the Lord, because the foundation of the Lord's temple had been laid. But what I want to focus on is verse 12. It says, Many of the older priests, the Levites, and other leaders who had seen the first temple wept aloud when they saw the new temple's foundation. The others, however, were shouting for joy. The joyful shouting and weeping mingled together in a loud noise that could be heard far in the distance. See, the young people rejoiced because this was all they knew. All they knew was they were taken out of the wicked Babylon and given a new start. But it said that those who lived before in the land of Israel, they saw the magnificence and the power and the glory. They had gone from a land of prosperity and blessing and victory to ruin, and now they had to start all over. 
They, they looked at this measly little foundation and they compared it to what happened in the past and they began to weep over everything that was lost, everything that's been devastated. They looked at this doesn't compare. Uh, there were such great things in my life. The things going on in Israel, there was power and glory and victory and they looked down at, the, at this little foundation, and they began to cry so loud that people could hear between them and the people rejoicing, they could hear it from miles away. All of the gold and the silver and the beauty of the first temple was gone. It, it seemed like life hadn't gone the way that they expected it. And things would never again be the same for the nation of Israel. And they wept and they cried and they mourned. In the book of Haggai, speaking about the same thing. Haggai chapter 2 verse 3. Haggai the prophet said, Who of you is left who saw the house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not look like nothing? See, some of you here today might feel that way. Some of you might feel that you had big dreams and they were smashed. Maybe for some of you it seemed like the perfect relationship or a great marriage ended and fell apart. Some of you, like Israel, you feel like you made your bed, you messed up, and now you're lying in it. Maybe some people here, you had big plans for a career or a business, and it all fell apart. Maybe some of you, you just look at your life, and you see all the wasted years, and you have little hope for the future. Well, if that's you, I want you to listen now to the next verses in the book of Haggai. Verse 4, be now, but now be strong, Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was the governor in Israel, in Jerusalem, and I'm going to get back to him later, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work, for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when I came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains on you. Do not fear. I'm going to skip down to verse 8. The silver is mine and the glory is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. God was telling Israel, it might not look like nothing, but this is not the end. This is a new beginning for you. God said, the silver is mine, the gold is mine. In other words, forget what was lost in the past because everything you need is in me. And, and I believe that right now, God is telling some of you the same thing. That the greatest days are still ahead of you. 
Right? Why was the glory of the last house going to be greater? How this little measly temple, this little foundation, how could the glory be greater than what was in the past in the great temple of Solomon where people came from all over the world just to look at it? They come to worship from everywhere. They looked at the temple and said, your God has to be real. How could God say that the glory to come is going to be greater than the past? And here's the answer. Because that temple that was laid, that foundation of that measly little building, one day, if we go into the New Testament and we come to Palm Sunday, Jesus himself, the true king of kings and lord of lords, he entered into that temple and he began to kick out all the crooked leaders. And he healed the sick and he he opened blind eyes and the glory of the Lord filled the temple and Jesus made that little nothing building greater than it could ever be. And that same Jesus, the same Jesus who glorified that building is the same Jesus who lives in you. And you're going to see greater glory, greater victory, greater breakthrough than you've ever had because the king of glory, he's in you. It's not about who you know. It's about the one who lives in you. And I'm going to ask Mary to come up right now. She's my fiance. Some of you know or don't know. Because I asked her to share a part of her testimony that relates directly to this story. Blessings, everyone. I'm so happy to be here um, today and to be um, Pastor Gary's fiance is a blessing and most of all the body of Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. I thank Jesus for this opportunity to be in the midst of you. And, um, you know, I'm just blessed to be around you. I see a great ministry here and I feel the love of God in all, in all of you, and um, I'm a little nervous, so <laughs> excuse me, <laughs> praise God. Well, um, I want to thank you that a, a good word spoken in season is good. <laughs> a wise king said that. So, you know, um, first it starts off that um, I've been serving God like Moses, like 40-something years. I'm not going to tell you how old I am, <laughs> um, but... Um, I got married young. I lived in the Bronx, too. My dad, my mom, everybody was in the Bronx. We lived in the projects. You know, we were, like, very down to earth. I've always been down to earth. And um, so I thank the Lord for everything, even the bad seasons and the good seasons, because they make us the people that we are. And they give us the grace to bless others. So anyway, I got married, and everything was going wonderful. 
I had two beautiful daughters, and uh, all, all both my children were surprises. I never knew when I was gonna have a baby. It was funny, it was weird. Like, what are you doing, Lord? So, you know, the doctor would say, oh, you look so pretty, but you're not pregnant. So, you know, here comes the third child seven years later. So I was very thankful for those children. But un unfortunately, things happen in life, and life does happen. And like the message was saying, sometimes, you know, you had a, a good time, you had a situation in your life that was going wonderful. And uh, I got saved in 169 in Walton in a black church. And all my family there, they call me baby because I was uh, the little Catholic girl. So, um, you know, as I continue to serve the Lord, I noticed my ex-husband was not really serving the Lord. And so, you know, spirit of deception was trying to get a hold of him. And, um, you know, the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So, you know, he, he, he's a, a killer. So you don't tell a shark, you know, you know, you could come in my kitchen. I don't think you want him in your kitchen. So, you know, it comes to kill you. And Satan wants to uh, change everything that's good into bad. So it continued. This uh, deceptive spirit was continually happening. He went into an occult. And then from there, uh, like about 34 years later, I wake up one day and I see that this man turned into a different person. It was like abuse started toward me. And as the cheating and gambling and things happened, I grew scared because I knew a man who was good. And it turned into a weird thing. And it, he was living a mysterious life and it was becoming abusive. But I'm here to tell you that whatever you're going through, it might not be abuse, it might be anything that died, any relationship or any situation that you're going through, I don't care what it is, drugs, anything. God is a redeemer, because my redeemer lives, and he changed my whole life. <laughs> Praise God. And my address changed. And when I had to leave this big house I lived in, everything, everything got turned upside down. I had to leave this big house in two weeks. And I said, well, I have a new address, and the address is called the mercy seat, you know, it's called www.jesus.com, Jesus throne, help. So, you know, I started to call on the Lord. And the seven years that I was single, I didn't mingle with nobody. And I stood before the presence of God. And I'm telling you, that's, that's what it's all about, the presence of God. And as I continue, I don't care what habit you have, what stronghold it is, that thing needs to bow down in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, because God is a restorer. And Isaiah 61 said that he'll give you beauty for ashes, and he'll give you double for your former shame. Praise you, Father. And he did that to me, and I'm waiting on the Lord for him to restore and continually restore that which was taken from me. And he said he will give us sevenfold for that which the enemy has stolen. Never despair, because God is your Father. And a father that is good, he said he wouldn't give him any bad thing, a snake or anything. So continue to believe God. And when those strongholds come against you, just kneel down. Say, buckle down. Say, devil, you're not having your way in my life. And, I, I, and believe me, I could have went the other way. I've seen people get a divorce of, of this magnitude. And they would turn it uh, even less years, like 10 years. And they went into drugs. And I could have went astray, but I chose to go and have my redeemer live through me. 
and knew and know without a shadow of, the, of a doubt that he would restore everything back, and he's continually doing, and one of them is Gary, praise God. <laughs> praise God. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Amen, Jesus. The glory goes to God. I'm telling you, God's still on the throne. He's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. He hasn't changed. He will continually work in your life, but just allow him to on a daily basis. You know, I tell God about everything. My ear hurts, you know. My eyes bothering me. I, I, I bother the Lord for every little thing, you know. I have eyelash in my eye. Everything. Everything. You know, he doesn't get tired of us. He's not like people. So praise God. You know, sometimes I go, oh, Jesus. Because you know, I work in the school and I hear all these teenagers. So I hear complaints. So I said, go do your work. So you know what I'm saying? It's just like God is good. And he will bring you from glory to glory. Stand firm against the enemy. You see, the, the devil and God are just the opposite. The devil will always give you the best first. He'll always cause you to meet some jerk that makes your heart go pitter-patter. <laughs> and then it turns into ruin. If you ever start to gamble, he'll always make sure in the beginning you're going to win just to hook you, and then you go into financial devastation. See, the devil, his best always comes first. With God, it's the opposite. He saves the best for last. When something comes from the Lord, when Jesus is your foundation, the glory has to be greater because Jesus is greater than any opposition in your life, even if you caused it, even if you wrecked your life like Israel did. God called them back. He says, it's time to start over. There's always a do-over. And you might look at your life and say, well, this little bit of money I got, this ain't nothing. This job, this job isn't what I wanted. I never found the relationship that God promised me. And you're looking and you're judging. And God is saying, just look at him. Because the glory of the latter house is going to be greater than the former. But I, I want to go back into the book of Haggai. Because I want to look at the man, the governor again, whose name was Jerusabel, Zerubbabel. <laughs> Can you edit that out of the tape, Pastor George? <laughs> Going to make it look like I don't know nothing. So I'm going to go back to Haggai chapter 2, verse 23, because there's a tremendous lesson in the life of Zerubbabel. It says, on that day, declares the Lord Almighty, I will take you, my servant Zerubbabel, son, son of Shealtiel, declares the Lord, and I will make you like my signet ring, 
for I have chosen you, declares the Lord Almighty. What was a signet ring? That was if, you, if you're a powerful person, if you're a person of influence and authority, you had a ring that, that you would use because they didn't have ballpoint pens back then to sign your name. So your family seal was on it, and, and it would, you would press it into the, into the document, and that was your official seal. Well, God told Zerubbabel, that you are my seal. You are the one I've chosen to be my man of authority on the earth. Now, why is that significant? Well, I want to go back into Zerubbabel's recent past, into his family tree. I did that. I tried to check out my family tree, you know, ancestry. So I, I I sent the stuff in. They sent me back a, a, a pack of seeds and told me I'm better off starting all over again. <laughs> but a, anyway, back to Zerubbabel. <laughs> you see, well, they, they looked up my family tree. They found out I was the sap. What can they tell you? Well, they went looking back into Zerubbabel's family line. He had an evil grandfather who was the king of Israel. And his name was King Jehoiakim. And he was wicked. The scripture said that as a king, he was greedy and dishonest. He murdered the innocent, oppressed the poor, and he reigned ruthlessly. And in Jeremiah chapter 22, the prophet Jeremiah sent a message to this evil king. And here's the message. This This was Zerubbabel's grandfather. As surely as I live, says the Lord, I will abandon you, Jehoiakim, son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Even if you were the signet ring on my right hand, I would pull you off. This is what the Lord says. Record this man as if childless, a man who will not prosper in his lifetime. For none of his offspring will prosper. None will sit on the throne of David or rule anymore in Judah. Now, this was Zerubbabel's grandfather. There was a curse put on him by the Lord because his wickedness says, I cut you off as king. He was in the line of King David to be in the bloodline of Jesus. And God told him, because of your sin, I cut you off. Not only you, but I count you as childless. That doesn't mean he didn't have children. It means none of your children are going to prosper because of you, Jehoiakim. Because of your sin, the curse is going to come down through the generations. And not one of them will sit on the throne. And he said, if you are the signet ring, the man of authority and power that I chose, I'd pull you off of my hand. 
Now, why is that important? Because God told his grandson, the one who deserved nothing, he was part of the, a family line that was totally cursed, wiped out, and God came to Zerubbabel and said, you are the signet ring in my hand. What happened? The curse from the past generation was cut off in the life of Zerubbabel by grace. Zerubbabel was destined to be in the bloodline of Jesus, the greatest king of all. But his grandfather's sin brought a curse that removed him. And in Luke 3.27, in the genealogy of Jesus, it says, Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel. What does that mean for us today? That you no longer have to suffer for the sins of the past generations. When you rise up like Zerubbabel and say, I'm going to serve God. That curse becomes broken off of your bloodline in Jesus' name. I, I want to declare that over you right now. That the sins of your past generation are broken off your family line, and now you're starting a new generation in Jesus. I decree and declare over you in the power of the Holy Spirit that poverty no longer runs in your family in Jesus' name. Divorce no longer runs in your family. I sever every tie to the past generation. Addiction, no more. Maybe you're all down through your family line. Alcoholism, addiction. I break it right now by the grace of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to suffer anymore for the sins of the fathers, your grandfather. They did not define your future. Sickness. When you go to the doctor, the first thing they want to know is, we want to know your family medical history. For some of you, cancer or heart conditions, they ran in the family. Well, because of the blood of Jesus, I apply it to you right now. That sickness will not touch you or your children or your grandchildren in Jesus' name. You see, we're laying a new foundation in Christ. The past has no more hold over you. Maybe, maybe you messed up big time. You made horrible choices and, and you're living in the mess. And right now you can begin to build a new foundation in him. God wants to restore and rebuild. And the glory will be greater. There's no limitation on you. You'll be the first one in your family to start a business, to graduate college, to be successful, to have a happy marriage, to live alcohol-free, whatever it is, that's you. In Zechariah chapter 4, the prophet Zechariah had an additional two messages for Zerubbabel, the governor. 
And I want to declare those over you today. While I was writing this, the Lord told me that the two messages from Zechariah to Zerubbabel would be a prophetic words from the heart of God for you today. Number one, Zechariah told Zerubbabel, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's my, by my spirit, says the Lord, that God will accomplish everything in your life that he promised you. It's not time to give up. Oh, it's been so long. It's never going to happen. It's time to get refired. Get your hopes up again. Because the Father is in the house. It's not by your might. It's not by how smart you are, who you know, how much money you got, what kind of influence you have. That's all meaningless in the kingdom of God because God is all you need. You don't have to have strength. You could feel weak. You could feel like a nothing. But if you'll just take a moment and say, God, I put my trust in you. The future is without limitations. And the second word... That Zechariah, that Zechariah the prophet spoke over Zerubbabel was do not despise the day of small beginnings. They looked again at that foundation and they were discouraged. This is it? This is our future? This is what Israel's come down to? Maybe you look at your life sometimes, that's it? Why can't I have what other people have? Why can't I be happy like these people? Why can't I have a family like that person? God is saying, do not despise the day of small beginnings. That's a word to the Lord for you today. Whatever, if there's little, God can make it much if you give it to him. So I'm going to invite Lee to come. And she's going to sing a song over you. And I believe this song is also a prophetic word that greater is going to happen in your life. I recently saw something on social media. It was a quote somebody said. It says, congratulations, you will be the one to break every generational curse that sat upon your lineage. You know, if there was a, if there was a title for my life, I think this would be it. And I think most of you could relate to that. I know I'm not the only one who has been served their fair share of suffering on this side of heaven. But I want you to know this morning, and this is something that we went over in our Bible study this past Thursday, that you don't have to make a pact with your pain, that you don't have to suffer that loss or grieve that tragedy or, or mourn for that thing that didn't work out continuously. You don't need to. 
In Christ, there is redemption for our pain. In Christ, there is a glory that's going to come forth from our stories and from the things that were so broken on the inside of us. So I want you to stand to your feet. And as we sing this song, you all know this song. This is a song we sing here at the, in the house. I want you to declare that greater, greater things are going to take place. Greater things are taking place right now yes. under the sounds of our voices. Yes. And just like the Levites went out and brought forth a sound of praise and worship, I believe that as you lift your voice this morning, God is going to break that pact that you've had with your pain and your suffering so that you might be free, like we were saying earlier in the worship, so that you might be free to experience the livelihood that Christ has to offer so that today you'd be able to build again. Amen.
Just have the worship team come and join us. There's no one like our King. Yes, if you believe it, somebody bless His name. There's no one like our King. No one like our King. You've been good. You've been good. You've been good. You've been good to me. Yeah. sitting in the back preparing I had a vision of a worship team singing this song over those today who were saying whatever I got I'm giving it to God God blow on it multiply it everyone who's saying I'm rebuilding the foundation it might not look like much to you but to me God gave me this foundation and I'm believing with great things to come. Yes. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to come forward so they could sing this over you. Yes. You see, little is much when God is in it. If you're saying, God, here's what I got, I'm giving it to you, and you're saying, I'm believing that the greatest days, the greatest glory, maybe I haven't seen it yet, but it's on the way. <laughs> 